Yeah, it's the Heavy Hope Podcast. The one and only Heavy Hope Podcast, I should say. Shout to all the, imp- the imposters. I, I see you out there. Um, uh, overweight Vortex Podcast. Um, no, that's, that's facetious. Rick. Rick is back in the building, and we're cracking jokes. How you doing, Rick? How's everybody doing out there tonight? Oh. Delicious evening. Mm, delicious is the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling you about these Colombian hot dogs. Um, oddly enough, you know, my, my experiences, uh, with, um, uh, Colombian culture lately have actually been vegan because of animals killing people. Shout out to them. Right. <laughs> um, but tonight, yeah, we had a little family birthday. They broke out the Colombian hot dog food truck out there in, uh, in central Iceland. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what an experience, man. Um, how, how would you describe Colombian food other than, uh, hot dogs, uh, covered with stuff? Well, this see that's the thing. I'm not like you know um, uh, Anthony Bourdain over here. I don't really know. We that might be something to ask. We, I mean, I have reached out to some uh, Colombian death metal artists and uh, figures in the scene. We have to reach out to some more. Maybe we could ask them for like the real deal. Because I have the because I get the impression this might be some sort of like Americanized food truck type of thing. I see. It's really good, really good junk food. They put like crushed up potato chips and the the, the pink sauce, which is like you know ketchup and mayonnaise and all they do all like if, unless you're sick to your stomach on that then you say hold that hold that stuff my nephew don't like it um yeah i would say ketchup yeah. and mayonnaise you know that doesn't really sound great but they put that on wendy's right you go to wendy's you get mayonnaise on there they put that on there not something i look for in life mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but if they sneak me with it sometimes i just go with it like i wasn't expecting it on this dog yeah. i got you know but they, it was there it happened yeah, it all right, right. Keep, it sounds pretty good man yo the yolo as the kids say listen rick enough about me my culinary experience today shout to my uh my cousin over there shout to my nephew with the little family birthday party um how are you sir? happy birthday kid yeah i'm doing pretty good man you know uh we just did it, or I just did an interview today on the radio uh, for Reeking Aura. So that was uh, that was exciting. Uh, oh. A real radio station, you know, it was uh, different than doing uh, than doing podcast interviews. Totally Wait, different. Was it DJ Envy? Because we got to talk. If it was, no, no, oh, it was uh, it was the guys God. from yeah, yeah, yeah no. Okay. Right. Um, it was it was a good interview. Uh, radio station out in San Diego. It's going to uh, be broadcast probably. Um, before this comes out so mm. we'll put links up there just so you guys can hear it it was uh, it was interesting man definitely a cool time and uh radio guys radio guys radio man, you know you know they're a band it's it's that band uh they were the sled yeah right? the, and the, uh they, they, sled they this, sled double d right sled that's right d, yeah. that's right and they're yeah. a bunch of cool guys and they're, they're from new york originally oh uh, yeah we i learned that and uh you know, it was uh, it, it was cool. Like they played a bunch of songs. We spoke about the band. It was it was real nice, man. Shout out to those guys. Hey, appreciate you out there, man. You're, you're welcome back in New York anytime. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna come by. We, we talked about uh, talked about where I live and the theaters around here and how Queensrÿche and those kind of bands play around here sometimes. And they they tour with bands like Great White and like mm. older like uh, hard rock kind of bands of that nature. It's it appears uh, that's the kind of circuit they're in, uh, which is cool, man, because you play some theaters, like I was saying. you know. I would be honored and privileged to open up for mm-hmm. Great White with any of my bands. I think we should try to. 
Let's get Reeking Ore in the mix, bro. What are we doing? Oh my God, man, that would be an interesting yeah. combination. Come on, man. Let's you get it. clear the place out before they. <laughs> Let's get in the mix out here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, speaking of getting in the mix, we got a couple of shows left, man. Um, hopefully, we caught you out there at the old Anal Birth record release show, man. Hope your Thanksgiving was good. Unless you live in another country, you don't care. Um, uh, but we still got a couple of shows coming up that we've been beating you over the head with. Uh, Reeking Ore is going to be out there December 7th at Dingbats in New Jersey with Mortician. And December the 8th uh, in Brooklyn at St. Vitus with Mortician. Uh, we're going to talk about those shows a little bit later, as well as getting into some recommendations. But speaking of New Jersey, um, we're going to take you right to the heart tonight, man. A man who's been no- making noise for a long time. Uh, in the scene, but most noticeably lately by way of Bayway. No pun intended. Let's go. You can't live my life. You call you walking my shoes. You kind of play with me because it's just us two. Step back, get your whole shit smacked. Because I lived in hell and I'm back going back. Live the life of pain. Live the life of pain. My first memory is my own boss race. You can talk that but you ain't built like this You ain't built like this Because you're just a bitch Since you ain't built like this Because you're just a bitch You ain't built like this Check, check, check This is Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast And I'm here with J-Way uh, Vocalist of hardcore band Bayway From Bayway, New Jersey Thank you very much for your time And welcome to the show Thank you, bro. I appreciate you for having me and uh, looking forward to bullshitting with you. Of course, man. Of course, man. And, um, uh, you know, lately, uh, a lot of you, I don't think anyone in the scene has been able to, like, miss Bayway. You guys have been all over the place uh, making a splash, get, getting the name out there. We're going to get into that, but I always start at the beginning. Uh, are you from a musical family in any way? Are there musicians older than yourself in your family? Or was there anyone along the way that got you into uh, hard rock, metal, hip hop, I'll say too, um, in this instance, anything that kind of influenced you? Uh, my father is a guitar player and also a drummer. Um, he played in bands in, in like the eighties, like the CBGB's punk scene in the eighties, uh, late seventies, early eighties. So, um, yeah, I always kind of grew up around music. Uh, I guess, I don't want to say I grew up around it, but I grew up knowing my father was a musician. Let's put it like that. Um, I knew he was a real good drummer because people would come up to me uh, over the course of my life and go, oh, you know, they knew my last name. So they would go, oh, you know, your father, uh, you know what I mean? He was a great drummer. He was a great guitar player. He used to listen to his band. And I had like a couple couple copies of his vinyl and shit like that growing up. So uh, I actually remastered one of his vinyls because I thought it was fucking hilarious to do. <laughs> but he had a song called City Girls. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, like a New York Dolls ripoff. It was amazing. Uh, so, yeah, so I grew up like, you know, with that. And my mother was always into hip hop. So, like, it was kind of the best of both worlds because I had like a little bit of a classic rock upbringing. And then my mom was so young when she had me that it was like smack right in the middle of like 90s hip hop like explosion you know what i mean uh, for everything from the 90 from 1990 to 98 basically came from mm. my, my mother you know okay yeah i wanted to talk i wanted to get into the 90s hip hop at some point um but but while we're still talking what would you mind does, does um was your dad in any bands we would know about was it was it a i don't think, 
don't think you would know of any of them. Uh, you know, his claim to fame was he was in a band. Uh, I can't remember what the name was, but after he left the band, apparently they went on, the rest of the band went on to play with Bon Jovi. Okay. And they were called The Rest. <laughs> All right. That's, and, that's very New Jersey. Yeah, right. Exactly. They were called The Rest. And apparently it was the rest of the guys that had left his band with John Bon Jovi as the singer. So I don't know how true this all is, you know what I'm saying? But this, this is this is the 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 lore, you know that's yeah, been yeah. that's been passed on, the, the urban legend, so to speak. Okay, man, and and the name of your band is is really Bayway is a neighborhood in Linden, New Jersey. Am I wrong? Bayway's a neighborhood in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Elizabeth, but New Jersey. What happens is is my guitar player and me been making music together for a real, real long time, and. He's from Linden, and I'm from Elizabeth. And Linden and Elizabeth basically meet at Bayway. So we decided, well, he decided, I can't even call it me. He decided, he was like, why don't we call it Bayway? And it just so happened at that point, I was kind of like digging into some ancestry, like part of, of my family, and found out that, uh, you know, my grandfather had like established like a Bayway construction company. My whole family's from Bayway. When I was born, um, I was born in Elizabeth General, which is no longer there. And then we moved to Bayway, right outside of the Bayway Circle, which is essentially what connects Elizabeth to the Gothels Bridge. So it's the connection to Staten Island. God. So that's, a, that's, that's why it's such a big kind of hub. You know what I mean? They call it, I, a lot of people call it like the Sixth Borough. Okay, man. All right. You, you, that's funny because you say you, you brought up the Staten Island connection. Um, there's a skit on the album where you, where you call somebody a stunad. Uh, the only other person I've known who really used that in conversation, like non-sarcastically, was a Staten Island guy. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny, man. I bet, I bet you had a lot of fucking A's and Z's in his last name. Um, I actually, actually, it's my co-host Rick Habib. Uh, but that's a whole nother story. He grew up. He's right. he's Ita he's Italian and um uh, uh Arab descent, man. He, but he's he's a Staten Island guy, man. But but regardless, man, we're talking about you. We're talking about New Jersey. Um, all right. So and Elizabeth, am I wrong about this too? Elizabeth, for the listeners uh, who may not know that, when people talk about the band E Town Concrete, E Town is Elizabeth, New Jersey, right? Elizabeth, New Jersey, through and through. Yeah, same area, uh, that Bayway area. I, I'm, I'm th I think a lot of the guys are actually from that specific spot. Got it. And that plays a big part, I would say, in kind of like the like influencing what you're doing now. I mean, we'll get you know we'll get into um, obviously uh, uh, Ant from E Town makes a guest appearance on your latest uh, recording as the Stickman of Fury of Five. Um, and I want to get into that hardcore scene and that hip hop of the '90s. But talking about your your upbringing, you're a multi instrumentalist yourself. Um, uh, I mean, people might know you as the front man of this particular band, but I know that you have played at least drums and bass in other projects, right? Yeah, drums, bass, guitar. I mean, you put it in front of me, I'll figure out how to fucking play it. You know what I mean? That's uh, that's sort of uh, I'm a jackass of all trades. All right, how far does that go back? When do you when do you first start with instruments? All right, so uh, 12 years old, I get my first guitar. Um, the kid that's around the block from me gets a drum set. He can play guitar, I can play drums. I never played drums before, but he had a drum set. I sat down, I could just fucking play it. I don't know how, I don't know why. My feet and my hands just worked. 
but I was I was fucking determined to, you know, to be a guitar player because I had this fucking guitar. So <laughs> I learned how to play a couple songs. I became a guitar player. And then it just kind of like, you know how it is, man. You've been a musician a long time. Nobody has a fucking drummer. So I always wind up sitting behind the drum set. Hey, man, we don't need, we need a drummer. Hey, man, we need a drummer. I heard that a million times in my life. So I always kind of got stuck behind the drums. And, uh, you know, I guess eventually after doing it for so long, I got a decent at it, <laughs> you know? But uh, I'm a guitar player first and foremost. That's, that's the first instrument that I, I really got with, other than a saxophone. Okay, man. Um, and and while we're talking, before we get to your bands, like I said before, respectfully, in um in your lyrics and and you know and stuff I've heard you say live watching your shows, you've referenced um struggles growing up. Uh at one particular point you talk about sleeping in a car as a teenager. I don't know if you want to elaborate on any of that, um, since you've already shared it with people. Um, you know, as far as you you might want to paint a picture for the listeners. Yeah, I mean, when I was born, uh, I was born, we, we moved to Bayway, my mom, my dad, and me, my older sister, Lisa. And then my dad had, you know, he was doing really well, and he was great, doing great with construction, but he, he had some fucking gambling problems, some drug problems, and some abusive issues that he was, you know, I, not too great at dealing with. So let me just put it to you softly like that, I guess. So five years old, we go from, uh, from living in Walt Township in a mansion. I go from, from that to moving back in with my grandmother and Elizabeth. Now there's like, it was 10 or 11 people in a uh, three bedroom house. So I went from, you know, having my own room, living, there was horses and shit. It was like fucking rural. It was beautiful. Back to, you know, being in the city, sleeping on the floor in my grandmother's bedroom right next to my sister, Christine, who was younger than me by a year and nine days. So I slept on the floor until I was, I guess, nine, 10 years old. Um, you know, eventually my sister moved out and I, I sneaked into the bedroom when, when she, when she left. Um, so I slept on a floor for a long time as a kid, uh, you know, and I, I always look back on it because it, it was very like, you know, I didn't know it at the time because I was a kid. It, it was just my life. But when you look back on it, you know, it, it really makes you appreciate everything that you got and, and everything that you get. Um, and it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of hard work and dedication to get off the fucking floor is <laughs> essentially what I'm referencing that in the lyrics. But um, you know, I was in and out of my house as a teenager. I was, you know, it, for, no fault of, of, of anyone else other than my own, honestly. But, uh, you know, me and my mother had a rocky relationship. She was fucked up from getting the shit beat out of her, her whole life by my father. And, uh, you know, and I was fucked up from it too. So we always clashed. So she was always throwing me out. Um, luckily I had a job at a gas station. So I, I saved up enough money to get a car and, uh, you know, so I was in the fucking, uh, I, I was in the hotel Chevy Blazer for a long time. You know, I had a three-tier, uh, I had a three-tier plastic drawer, had my boxer shorts, my socks, and my, my fucking, my 4XL tall tees. You know what I'm saying? It housed it nicely. Um, so I did that for a little while. You know, I surfed some couches and, and lived in the Guitar Center parking lot for a little while until they caught me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been, uh. It's been a wild ride, bro. Okay, man. And and I appreciate you sharing that because you do paint a picture with your lyrics and with your band. 
Um, and and there's a, you know I want people to realize the authenticity there. And you you ended off there in the Guitar Center parking lot. So music is still a big part of your life um, while you're like experiencing that struggle. Yeah, during that struggle, uh, the the latter part of that struggle, uh, I was playing guitar in a band called Year Spent Cold. The band was taken off, and and things were going in in a great direction, but you know it was just like it was just struggle after struggle. You know, I had no money. So, you know, you don't have money. That means you don't have insurance. You don't have insurance. It means you get pulled over. Once you get pulled over, they find things in the car. Once they find things in the car, it's a lot of money. You know what I mean? So then the registration expires and then the car doesn't have a reg. You know how it goes, bro. It's like yeah. when it rains it fucking pours and snowballs, it turns into a nightmare. So it was just like, you know, thing after thing after thing wound up, you know, uh, getting in trouble and and just uh, you know went to Florida to kind of get away from everything um, for a little while, and then uh, you know hooked up with my girl, had a baby, raised her up to maybe you know five, six, seven years old, and then got really heavily back into music again. Now she's eleven, so I'm really able to kind of like get into Bayway. You know what I mean? Mm. She's she understands. I can talk to her now and go, hey, listen, you know. Uh, daddy's going to go out and play a show and you know, it's not the end of the world anymore. You know, she's got shit she wants to do too. That's, that's great, man. Um, so you, you, you talk about uh, like, cause when I first met you, it was when the band, I of the destroyer, um, you were putting a lot of work in with that band playing out, you had a lot of merch going. Uh, that was maybe I'm thinking like 10 years ago or so. Uh, uh and I, you know, I really knew you to be like, just like a hardworking family guy behind, behind the scenes, just from having, you know, a few conversations with you. Let's, let's talk about that band. That band was like, what, 2012, 2013, you guys started up. That was, uh, 2013 and it went on for, went on for about nine years, I guess. Um, it, you know, COVID kind of, I, I guess kind of really smashed it into pieces, but before that it was falling apart. It's, it's hard to keep a band like that together with, you know, we were touring, I think the last year that we toured, we did almost a hundred, a hundred dates. Wow. So uh, it was, you know, we were, we were known at the time as, as one of the hardest working bands, I think on a, uh, on the independent scene, um, you know, for death metal at the time, but yeah, we were, we were out there, you know, working, we were out there working. I remember a lot of conversations that I had with you, uh, and I remember you being a very funny motherfucker. That's what I remember about you. <laughs> you I don't know if you remember the, the drummer of Buckshot Face. If he was a funny guy too, man. Um, we had some, we had some good time. I, the last time I remember seeing you guys, the la the last show Buckshot Face have played because we've been on hiatus for a long time. Uh, was with you guys, and it was on Staten Island. Come to think of it, too, it was the the pinups for Pitbulls benefit show. At the yeah, bar. yeah, yeah. That, that used to be uh, what was that? It was Dock Street, is what it used to be, right? I think they, it was called the the Amendment or something, or the what was it, man? Uh, it was like it was called like the 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 eighteenth. So I, I I can't remember off the top of my head, man. But, I, I remember what you're talking about, though. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, 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 man. Um, so so you guys, I mean, yeah, you guys were in that band a long time. Now I'm a little confused. Were any of those musicians in Bayway with you at this point? Uh, the guitar player, well, he played guitar in Eye of the Destroyer probably for the first, I guess the first seven years of the band. He established the band with me, played for about seven years, and then left the band. Uh, but yeah, our guitar player, Chris, was also in that band with me as well. 
Okay, got it. Because I got um, I I always I shout out you know when I when I have references. Uh, I I read your uh, I read articles about Bayway on um, idioteq.com and ineffecthardcore.com. Um, and and what I'm getting at is you I think you said something to the effect of you guys were jamming on music for a while for a few years or for some period of time, but you just felt like it wasn't you, and you finally like cracked it down to the Bayway style. Um, you know but- what it was? It, we had a conversation. I, I do everything with, with Chris. Well, I have for probably the better half of 15 years. Um, and we were having a conversation and we had we had written a bunch of songs and they didn't sound like our usual songs. It, they were going from they were really starting to stray away from the slam kind of ghettoy slam stuff that we were doing. And they were going towards more of a hardcore sound. Um, and as we were doing that, we were writing songs and it just weren't, it just wasn't sounding the same. It didn't sound like any of the bands that we were doing before. And as I started to demo out some vocals, I had written a bunch of lyrics and I just kind of trashed them. And I, you know, Chris had said to me jokingly, like, ah, it's fucking called the band Bayway. And, uh, so I, I had demoed out the vocals for, for the song Bayway. And I said, you know, I just went on there and I was make way, motherfucker. And it was something that I never would have done before, but it was so freeing because it was like we weren't taking it seriously, you know? And I, it was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to be real. Like, I'm not going to try to be something. I'm not going to try to sound like anything. I'm just going to fucking do whatever happens. And whatever fucking happens, happens. It's going to be organic. I'm not going to write any of these fucking lyrics. I'm just going to let it rip. And if it comes to my mind, you know, while while the while the if this is what happens when when the song is on, and this is what it inspires me to say, who the fuck am I to to not say it? I mean, this is you know what I mean. It was very organic that way. So it kind of like at first it was like sort of a joke, like we're gonna call the band Bayway. You know what I mean? We're just gonna do music that makes us happy, and, and we're just gonna go back to to the old school feeling, like when we were kids. And then it just kind of was like, it became such an organic, raw thing that I think that like, it was so fucking easy. And we were kind of like, looked at each other like, yo, what the fuck have we been doing, bro? Like how, how long were we going to go on like trying to do this or trying to do that? Mm. We could have literally been doing this the whole time. But you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So I look at it like this, you know, it's like, it was a great thing to kind of not take something so seriously and just be like, fuck it. We're just going to do something raw and see how it translates. There's, I think there's a message there for a lot of bands. Um, maybe even, maybe even uh, my bands, man, just like the idea of, you know, uh, how, like how long are you going to wait until you just strip it down and do what you really want to do and don't give a fuck what anybody thinks on, on, you know, on, on, there's a lot of different levels out there for different bands of that, man. But there's, there's a, there's a lesson to be learned there. Um, and we kind of, we kind of jumped from, you know, you talking about your, your upbringing to, um, your time in the band years spent cold. Uh, but while we talk about you getting back to that nostalgic hardcore feeling, tell us about your first experiences with the hardcore scene um and and what you know what shows you went to like when did you become aware of heavy music um that that was more like on the underground independent um circuit i mean it sounds like you you almost grew up with it as a family thing with with the type of stuff your dad was into but like tell us about the hardcore scene and how you got into it well 
basically here's what happened. I got into, I said, I'll say it was probably around like sixth grade. I started to get some interest in, you know, some heavier music prior to that, bro. I couldn't have get like my sister played me corn in 94. And I was like, this sucks. She laughs at me all the time. You know what I mean? I went on to like the band a lot. I'm not going to be fucking, I'm not going to act like I don't like, but in 94, she's like, yeah, I played this shit for you. And you thought this was so fucking corny. You hated it. You told me it was garbage, blah, 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 blah. So that shit was funny as hell to me now in retrospect. But I I was like so heavy into hip hop that like, I think the only thing that could ever bridge that gap was a band like E-Town Concrete. And that's what happened. My sister put me on. I, I wasn't allowed to see my sister Lisa for a really long time. Um because she had fucked up with my grandmother, whatever. We could go into this forever. But she had fucked up with my grandmother. We, I wasn't allowed to see her. I was banned from seeing her. As ridiculous as it, but sounds very Italian, right? So anyway, uh, I was I was banned from seeing her. She comes around in sixth grade, sneaking around. I start hanging out with her again. She's playing Hatebreed, Satisfaction is the Death of Desire in the car. I'm like, okay, this is fucking cool. This is pretty heavy. Had a lot of like... Had a lot of groove, you know what I mean? I was like, damn, this is bouncy. Then she plays me E-Town. Mm. Then she plays me Downset. So on my first day in hardcore, okay? <laughs> my first day getting introduced to it, I listened to Hate Breed Satisfaction is the Death of Desire, E-Town Concrete, Time to Shine, and Downset, Downset. Immediately, I knew I had to have these records. So I said to her, you know, what do you want me to trade you? I had the book, you know what I mean? I had the CD book. <laughs> We all had that motherfucker back in the day. I had it. Fuck, yeah. Every page was pristine. Had that motherfucker in alphabetical order. You know what I mean? Shining. I was like, what you want, bro? Go through the fucking, go through the library and whatever you want, I'll give it to you if you give me these records. Hmm. So she gave me those records. I think she took, um, she took Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre off me. Uh, she took, what the hell else did she take? I can't think of what she took off me, but she took, she I think like an Eminem record. <laughs> she took a bunch of shit off me that I wish I still had too. But it was worth it because on that day, I was christened with these three hardcore bands that I still listen to every single day. Um, and so that kind of started me on my, on my path, you know? I mean, of course I was aware of Metallica and shit like that. Who wasn't, you know? But then it just started getting more and more extreme. You know, Hatebreed went to Dying Fetus. Dying Fetus went to Suffocation. You know what I mean? And then Suffocation went to Obituary. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, yo, who grooves? Oh, shit, now I'm listening to Internal Bleeding. You know what I mean? And it was just like, it kept going, it kept going. I loved death metal because it was so grimy. You know what I mean? It was just so grimy and so like just anti everything. I thought, you know, it was just like, so fuck you to everybody. It was like, yeah, if you don't like it, you don't have to, who cares? We're going to do whatever the fuck we want to do. And I loved how groovy it was and bouncy it was, especially the really, the really grimy sound and shit, like the internal bleedings, the early suffocation stuff, all the New York stuff for me was like, was real good. And obviously dying fetus. Like, I feel like if it came from a city, I probably fucked with it. You know, but that was the stuff that got me into hardcore. And then I went to a, I went to a show at the Cove in Roselle. It was my first, 
my first like death metal show, I guess is, was what it was. And there was a band called Catorsion. Now Catorsion became Digested Flesh. Oh, okay. Okay. So Catorsion was one of the first bands I ever saw that used the Deathcore label. Now Deathcore to them meant something different than what Deathcore means now. Deathcore meant we're going to play hardcore, but we're going to have a guttural singer. And that was my introduction to hardcore with a guttural singer. So next, I moved to Shattered Realm. Because, yeah. I mean, it was just a clear choice. You know what I mean? Hardcore with a guttural singer. It was just something that I loved. It was two of these things now together that I just love. So at that show, I got introduced to, like, dancing. You know, like, <laughs> motherfuckers doing cartwheels and shit. Yeah. Kid came up to me, and he was like, you dance? I'm like, the fuck's this motherfucker talking about dance? <laughs> And then next thing you know, motherfuckers was cartwheeling into me at the bar. And I was like, okay, I guess yeah. I'm going to move otherwise. And that's where the lyrics come from. You can move your feet or you can get your ass beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's it. I mean, that was my first day on the job, bro. Move your feet or get your ass beat. <laughs> you, you, uh, he wasn't inviting you to a waltz. <laughs> you no, dead. he was not trying to waltz. <laughs> there was no salsa. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? He was trying to beat the shit out of me. And it was good. I, I, I appreciate him for it, hmm. you know? And then I, I got introduced to, to um, Reek from NJ Bloodline by a childhood friend. I, I wound up going to, uh, I wound up going to uh, a studio. Actually, if you look at the New Jersey Hardcore documentary, uh, they filmed this whole thing, Agents of Man, NJ Bloodline, One for One, E-Town Concrete. They filmed this documentary at this place called Dome Studios. It was in Kenilworth, New Jersey. It's where my, my, my original bands practiced. So going there, I ran into Reek NJ Bloodline. And he was like, yo, you got to come to this show. Uh, I'm going to start taking you to shows. And it was NJ Bloodline's last show. Uh, well, their first last show. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it was like E-Town, Shattered Realm. I tell this story all the time because it was such, it was such a, a pivotal moment. Mm. It just changed everything for me. I went to this show. I, every band that I played was just like, monumental ridiculous like bands you know and it happened right in union county right in right in my home area and it was just insane nj bloodline shut the lights off they gave out plastic swords i got thrown into a fucking garbage can like i'll never forget it changed my whole life but what i remember feeling that day was i was a kid that didn't have a home you know i never felt at home anywhere but I felt at home there on the first day. And that's what kept me coming back and mm. keeps me coming back is that feeling, that family feeling, you know, I didn't miss the, the friendship, family, integrity parts of hardcore. Those, those parts were not lost on me. Those parts are what I hone in on and, and why I still go and why I'm still involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot there, man. Um, definitely something I try to remember over because over the years, especially when you're trying to push your own band and network, you, you get you can get a little jaded, you can get a little bitter. Uh, sure. I mean, I'm just speaking for myself, you know, sometimes things happen, you get a little cynical. Um, you know, one band doesn't work out, you're on your third, fourth, fifth band trying to keep it going, man, and shit. You know, it, it, it's tough over time, but you do have to try to like remember the, you know, you're, you're making me think about the shows I went to when I was in my teens, um, you know, VFW shows and shit, when you didn't know oh. much about it and all that. It's it's true, man. It was a fun, fun spirit that you got to try to catch every once in a while if you can, you know? It's, it's not like it used to be where, 
you go to a show, you didn't know the fucking band and you're discovering them by seeing them and feeding off their energy for the first time, you know? And that's one of the things that I do think is like a little bit lost nowadays is you can get on YouTube and, you know, you're going to watch the band that you're about to go see maybe three, four times in five different markets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Five different versions of the band. There could be 16 different member changes by the time you see these motherfuckers. You know, it, it, back in the day, like, you know, you showed up and like the first time I ever heard of Shattered Realm, I saw them. Yeah. Wow. You no. Know? Yeah. They hit me with fucking with with all will suffer. And bro, I'm telling you, when I when I heard that and I saw everybody running back and forth, I was scared for my fucking life. But yeah. something kept me in that room. Yeah. I, I, I can't forget the feeling. I've I've often said because you know I'm from Long Island and we talk about Long Island hardcore has a little bit of a reputation and I'm not trying to put anything down or put any bands down from where I'm from obviously or from New York hardcore but I've always said people sleep on New Jersey hardcore and how violent and how crazy the shows can jump off and another thing um, even through like the early 2000s where there was like the weird tight gene kind of like math core metal core there there was always in new jersey there were bands really holding it down like new jersey was almost ahead of the curve on like the death metal hardcore but still very street level not polished production you know what i mean man like like the real deal you talk about shattered realm um you know and and also we we talked about digested flesh i think by the time this episode comes out it'll be the um uh, when i was talking to terrell the week before we just did a whole episode where we talked a little bit about digested flesh uh i compare them a little bit to reputable reputation from long yeah. island just you know similar sound and, and all that but new jersey was always uh grimy man you know i i mean e-town concrete i think kind of set set the tone in a way and there's all these other bands like shattered realm that people don't really realize um what what other maybe i don't know if you, if you just want to shout out a few other bands from that time period like while we're on that conversation i mean it's it's hard for me to do it like i can do it this specific time periods okay and this is like uh, this isn't even me being like oh i was into hardcore at this time because i wasn't right but like for me, I am so, so in completely in love with hardcore from 92 to 98 in New Jersey. The, the, one of the best tapes is that first NJ Bloodline tape that came out in the early 90s with like the slow versions of Vindictive Nature. It was more punk. Holy shit, man. Those records are like so street. You know what I mean? Like you can't really tell me that there's a difference between that and early DOS effects. Hmm. You know? Just because they had instruments and shit doesn't mean that there's a fucking difference. This is like, you know, straight from the sewer shit. You know what I mean? It's just fucking grimy street shit by street people. And I think that, you know, the 90s was street people. Like Fury of Five, like you listen to that. Those are street people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you ran into Stickman in his early days, I I feel bad for you. I, you know, that dude, there's so many stories out about that guy. And every time I hang out with him, I realize that not a single one of those stories is false. Hmm. I don't care what anyone says. That guy is wild. Like, I, I love him to fucking death. But he's insane, and he knows it. You know what I mean? But he's a fucking legend for a reason, you know? But 
bands like monumental bands out of the 90s for me. One for One, Bulldoze, Fury of Five, E-Town Concrete, um, obviously NJ Bloodline, yeah. uh, Train of Thought. Um, these were these were huge, huge bands. Like as I got into like, first I got into E-Town and then you go down the rabbit hole. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Well, and you start digging deep into into the New Jersey shit. You know, even early 25 to life was real rugged, real yeah. raw. Then yeah. you have bands like Fat Nuts and other stuff that came off of, um, you know, that that kind of piggybacked off of the the one for ones and the bulldozes and all of that stuff. Like those guys are really responsible for a whole sound, you know. Yeah, one and- for one. I, I I I'm glad you brought them up, man. I I forgot. I have um. I have a I have a CD of theirs and I have the I Won't Lose seven inch man really great band um just catchy sound like uh and and the the like there's even there's kind of like um they do a metal in there it's heavy but it's not metal core or whatever you want to call it man you know what I mean man it was still very raw and like kind of like like street level hardcore level it had that it had that like I don't know uh the best way to describe it and and you know it it's it's like this ninety seven ninety eight like metalcore was sort of coming in but it wasn't what it wasn't unearth or god forbid or or kill switch engage yet no. you know what i'm saying it was like it was like uh what would happen if we played a megadeth riff with a hardcore drum part yes they still had a bounce it more like it was more like that you know mm-hmm, what i mean mm-hmm. it was more it was more like uh you know it was more like slayer south of heaven worship yeah, yeah, I remember when the like when I was in I mean I'm I'm 41. I graduated high school 2000, right? So like the late the the like senior year of high school, all my friends were into Victory Records. Yeah. Uh Earth Crisis, Bloodlet, you know, Hate Breathe the whole and like I remember a friend of mine who was like a few years older, he was like this is all just kind of like Slayer, but you you know, you play a groove over it instead of the the skank beat or whatever, man. But like, yeah, one for one had a bounce to it. You know what I mean, man? Unearth and God forbid, not bad bands at all, but they kind of like they they tipped the metal more than the hardcore in a way. You know what I mean? Later, God forbid, for sure. If you listen to yeah. the early God forbid stuff, like when they were really just raw and coming into their own, very, very bouncy, very underrated stuff, in my opinion. L- really, really like um if you go, I, I feel like, especially you, just knowing you and the person that you are, I feel like you would heavily fuck with some of the very, very early God Forbid stuff. Also, uh, For the Love Of was another band that came out of Jersey, like, during that weird kind of, I guess, 98 to 2003 time period that was just, like, outrageous sounding. You know, this is, like... During the Dillinger, it's like, you got to think about it, man. During this time, these are the bands that are competing. Like a yeah. For the Love Of is competing with God Forbid, who's competing with Candiria, who's competing with Dillinger Escape Plan. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like, there was no limits to how ridiculous you could go back then. Dead Guy uh, is a Jersey band, right? Was a Dead Jersey Guy band. as well, yeah. right. Yeah, amazing, a really undercredited band. People talk about, uh, Botch and Dillinger and and you know not sure. to, not to discredit those bands but Dead Guy belongs in that that caliber uh, of of conversation too certainly man so um I definitely want to talk about Bayway you brought up Stickman um but but before we get that real quick we're talking about your experience in the nineties 
What about hip-hop, man? Did you have, like, similar run-ins with the hip-hop scene? Did you go to any shows? Were there any, like, artists around your area or anything like that? You know what? I never did the hip-hop show thing. I never really did. Like, I've I've been to hip-hop shows. Like, don't get me wrong. I've, yeah. You know, I've seen Cypress Hill on Halloween and gotten too high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I've seen Method Man and Red Man. I, I've seen Wu-Tang. I've done, you know, I've done my fair share. But I didn't get into that scene as a young kid. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the hip hop scene was very much about dubbing tapes off the radio as a kid. Um, you know, as a kid, I have fond memories of sitting there with the fucking ghetto blaster and my sister would tell me hit record. You know what I mean? We'd be listening to hot 97 in the middle of the night, yeah. hit record. You know what I mean? And we'd get that new DOS effects freestyle. You know what I mean? And then later on. It became about burning CDs and trying to get those those dip set, you know, off Hot 97, trying to get that dip set uh, radio, you know what I mean? The collection of, of three songs that they did real hot on Funk Flex. You know, it became about that for me. But as a kid, you know, I, I started off, I started off like real easy with like Chub Rock. I think it was like 1990. Yeah, yeah man. You know what I mean? Yeah, 1990 yeah, Chub yeah. Rock jumps upon the scene with the, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was all about that. I was in the car seat, you know, singing DOS effects, singing Chub Rock, all that, like, treat me right. I was all over that. Um, and then, you know, Snoop and Dre came on the scene. You know, that was what, 92, 94? Um, and and then that was hugely influential. I mean, I was listening to Nas. I was listening to early Jay-Z, Big L. Of course. Um, then it went into Biggie. After Biggie died, I listened to Puffy and Mace. You know what I'm saying? Um, the locks were fucking tremendous. Uh, DMX, obviously. You know, I just kept going. Yeah. That's what the 90s yeah. were about for me. It was like very about the the... In the early 90s, it was about bars. And then later on, it was about that money. You know what I mean? Like in the ni- late 90s, it was yeah. about flashy money. Yeah, yeah. And there were still a lot of really good songs. Um, I mean, you talk, I mean, you talk about the dip set. I, I, you gave me flashbacks to the buy-in mixtapes for $5 at the gas station. A hundred percent. Like all the dip set. And, Bro, I uh, miss the yeah, days where you could yeah. cop the, the mixtape at the gas station and... The 3XL Tall T for $10. Come on now. Yeah, bro. I was actually... What else would you leave the gas station with the Tall T and the mixtape? I went to... In my neighborhood, it was a beauty supply shop. It sold, like, wigs and a lot of stuff for women. And they just happened to have a rack of the big boy shirts. And they would have random... Like obviously computer printed, like bootleg Michael Jackson shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was great. But we were in... Um, my, my reeking aura, my band, we were down south, we were in South Carolina, uh, at the ground, at the club ground zero. And we fucking, we drove like a half a mile to the nearest gas station. And I do, I bought, um, hold on. Now I got it. Just give me one second. Hold on. Can't wait to see what this. Since uh, yeah, is no, out. no. So just, I just went to my. Uh, I gotta show you. So this is uh, Falsa. It's a six. A six XL fits like a four XL. Uh, but this is from a South Carolina gas station, and it's like a company. I think it says it's actually like a um, 
It's a it's a company from Georgia or something, man. Yeah, Falsa Demand Gear, right there. If yeah. you can see that, man. I bought. I saw this. I tried one on in the van and made sure it fit. And I bought like six of them. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. Nah, nah. That was that was my lifestyle when I was in Florida, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I had this old beat up Cadillac that I got for free, right? And the, the back windows didn't go up or down, so I had wood blocks in the back windows. This is no joke, bro. You can ask anybody that knows me. And they was they were calling me Cadillac Joe, all right? <laughs> and I had the Cadillac. I had the fucking blocks in it. I'd ride to the gas station, hit that gas station. Bro, they had every color, 5XL, five fucking dollars a piece, boy. You could get whatever you want. <laughs> it was hot. Fresh. Yeah, man. Uh, and the fresh, they had the, they had the fitted caps that were like not not official Yankees, but the, they had the NY, the kind of weird oh, stiff hard. NY. Hard, hard, <laughs> with the stitchings just slightly fucked up. Yeah, 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 man. That's how you knew it was good. Yeah, bucket hats. All right, man. Um, Not even that. Hold on. You got. Yeah. You don't forget the earrings, bro. You got to remember the fucking earrings at the time. The, they had the big square cubic zirconiums. Yes, and yes, shit. yes, oh. yes, yes. I didn't. I couldn't go. To, I couldn't go that far, man. I, you know, I, I was. Oh, I, I took it there, bro. I got yeah. no shame. The trash in me is is deep. <laughs> See, I was, I was raised to never look like you got money. That was one of my father's tips, man. My father would always wear like, like he he would say, keep your cash in a roll, and your other don't keep it in your wallet, and don't look like you got money. No jewelry or anything, but but that's a whole other story, man. Um, looking like a bum for personal safety, but um, that's 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 the Huntington Station style. That's like the old farmer trick. But I, I, enough about that, man. Look, um, I've had you on for a long time, man, and I do want to uh, promote uh, Bayway. Obviously, um, it's one of the main reasons uh, why 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 you're here and what you've been doing lately. You guys popped up on the scene, maybe. What was it? Maybe about a year ago or so. Band started in late 22. We didn't play our first show until 2023, and we started dropping in 2023. Fair enough. And but but drop you did, man. You you put out the World of Bayway demo. Um. Then what? What is it? Days is a record label. Days is a record label. Yeah, and RTF is a record label out of Jersey. Okay, so Days and RTF. Um, you worked with them on the Newport Sessions tape. Days is the Long Island guy, bro. Okay, man. I'm not I'm not familiar, man. Fair enough. We we gotta figure what what do you know what part of Long Island? Honestly, you would like one of the last releases he just dropped. I I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name right. Looks like it says delicacy, but it's it's a Australian death metal band. No. Oh man, I'm I might as well say I just booked them for an interview. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now you're gonna hear about days twice, motherfucker. That's funny. All right, I'll get in touch with this guy because I gotta figure out who who it is, man. Yeah, um Del Quest. I call them Deli Quest, but not to their face. Yeah, because uh, I can't, I can't, I can't pronounce it. But I thought I thought it was delicacy. So you know what I'm saying? Good band though, good band, and they got some of that Long Island East Coast death metal kind of. Yeah, we're, I agree. I agree. The influence is there. We're on the same page. Yeah, they could they could rock the six XL shirts too. Was that what they're saying? Straight out the gas station. Um. Well, speaking of straight out the gas station, the Newport Sessions. Um. It's a it's a slick little EP. It's kind of like a, uh, you got you got the cool little intro, uh, uh, welcome. You know, I I, it, it, I and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to be be any, anything kind of controversial, or whatever. But that first one life crew EP where the guy where the, they he steps out and they go and the guy he's, he's like who's that guy? He's like I'm from the neighborhood or whatever. Man. It just gave me that kind of vibe, man. Like old school '90s hardcore. 
Um, and then now recently, I think right around Halloween of this year, you guys put out your first full length. It's, is it the first album, but it's called the world of Bayway volume two, uh, like in regards to the demo being the world of Bayway one, right? Yeah. Uh, the demos world of Bayway one world of Bayway volume two. And, and you know, to be honest, bro, it's really just a, a, a throwback to the band, not taking itself seriously. It's like, you know, Hey, bro, we're going to release the LP. We'll call the shit volume two, bro. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. We really are just stupid idiots. Uh, well, it reminds me, It's it almost harkens back to that mixtape talk we were just talking. Like, you wouldn't know how to, you would get, like, all these random, you know, the street whatever, volume three, and, you know, you know, Ghetto Assassins, volume four, and all these, like. Right, they, and then your boy would quote yeah. it, like, no, 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 bro, have you ever heard? Yeah, and yeah. I heard Drama King Volume Sixteen, bro. That shit had the hot shit on it, bro. You know, and you were like, "What the fuck, bro?" Yeah, I gotta get Volume Sixteen. I fucked up. I, I missed. I didn't go to the deli that day. <laughs> it sold out. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what it was, bro. It's, it's exactly that. It's a nod to that World of Bayway Volume Two. Um, also, just comes off the tongue, nice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, man. And so let's talk about um we've kind of like alluded to it a few times during the interview. You got um the first big guest feature, uh Ant Money, aka Ignorant Ant from from uh E Town Concrete, kind of a local legend in, in your um geographic scene. Let's talk a little bit about including him on the album and getting in touch with him and that sort of thing. Um You know, it's always kind of been a dream of mine, obviously, to to work with him in, in any capacity. He had booked a couple of my bands um, as a kid growing up. So I had, you know, I had run-ins with him. I had, you know, kind of like, we were kind of always crossing paths, um, you know, throughout the years. And, um, you know, I'm not even gonna, like, there's no crazy story to it. Like, I literally just reached out to this motherfucker and was like, yo, hmm. um, you know, let's, Let's do a song together. And, you know, he's a busy guy. He, he he works a lot in the music industry. He's got a lot of shit going on. So, you know, I, I hassled him. You know what I'm saying? Squeaky wheel gets the, gets the oil. And I kept hitting this motherfucker. Yo, what's good with it? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, yo, if you want me to write it, I'll write it. He was like, I'll write it. I can write my own shit. You know? And, <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah, I got a man. Now he's going to do shit. So, um, truth be told, he showed up in a fucking Hummer. Um, and when he got out the Hummer, I said, bro, what happened? They didn't have a tank at the dealership. <laughs> and he was like, yo, you want me to leave, bro? You ain't gonna make fun of me. And, and it was funny as hell. That's how it started. And, uh, you know, I've been working with him ever since. Um, he came to the studio. We've been, you know, demoing out some stuff and working together ever since. And, and it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. Dude, he's a great guy. Um, really, really creative guy uh, with a lot of cool ideas. And... Um, you know, to have the opportunity to work with them in any capacity was great, but to have them on the record and to have them, you know, really bring, I thought what he brought to the record was, was very vintage him. Mm -hmm. and, and I was very excited about that. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people wanted to hear a version of him like that for a long time. And, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that that's what he brought. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad it's what he brought to the record. It was a, an honor to record him. Uh, I recorded him myself in my studio. I did all of his vocal production. Um, and it, it was, you know, it was a great experience. It was something I, I've wanted to do since I was a kid. So, you know, if you'd have told fucking 13-year-old me that was going to happen, I'd have told you to go fuck yourself. Hmm. Uh, yeah, man. And and to to see him pop up 
um, is is cool because every you know people know Eight Town Concrete kind of like gets together and plays once or maybe twice a year or so. But they also around the time it was like right around the time your album dropped or maybe a little before they put out that that single right. Uh, what was it Level Up? Yeah. Was that did were you like privy to that? Did like you know that that was gonna drop or like was it was it also like maybe like he was willing to to come and do a guest spot for you because he was back into the vocal game kind of th- like what was did those correlate? I, I don't want to you know I don't know how much I should divulge, but yeah, I was I was privy I was privy to it. Um, you know, I got I got to listen. Yeah, you know, hopefully he don't get mad, but you know, I got to they have a lot of songs, and I got to I got uh, the honor of listening to a lot of this stuff, and. You know, they got a lot of good shit that's on the way. Like uh, a lot of stuff that as an E-Town fan, I was excited to hear. I hope they release it. But they've been sitting on Level Up for a long time. Um, This had been demoed out for a real long time. And, you know, I think it was just one of those situations where the band started getting a little bit more active in 2023. They were getting offers. They were getting offers for cool shit, festivals with Code Orange and fucking metal festival in new england and you know shit that i think just makes sense for them to do you know and i think now too like their kids are getting older so it's a little bit easier for them to kind of slide back onto the scene and play shows and you know shit like that so i think that they were getting more active but um you know i don't know whether or not that had anything to do with him being on the record but if he thought for a second that being on my record was going to benefit e-town then I don't know that there's a greater honor for me. Fair enough, man. Um, appreciate that. I'm, you know, as a big E Town fan myself. Uh, and then, so then, then the other big um, guest. I mean, you kind of got like the 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 twin towers of of New Jersey hardcore, especially that would be like relevant to what Bayway's doing. You got Stickman of Fury of Five, um, who. You know, people, uh, for the listeners, he's, you know, he's, they, they've been back for a few years now, as I take it, um, and, and you know, had, with different lineups, and he's he had kind of like a beef with, with Rick to life for a while. He was making his own songs and that sort of thing. I, I take it, he seems like a guy that's kind of just like still still out there, still in the scene um, or whatever. And I, I know from one of the other uh, interviews you did that, like, you kind of just met him at a show, right? He was at our first show ever, um, which is, I mean... I don't know that the universe can pull you to somebody any harder than that. Um, you know, we got done playing. We were loading the trailer. I looked to my right and I literally said to myself, is that fucking stick me? And, you know, I start making fun of this guy because his radiator was leaking. And I told him his shit was stinking like antifreeze. And, you know, I seen them laugh and I got a laugh at a, at a stick. So I was like, fuck it. Let me go approach him. And... You know, if there's one thing I can say to any young kid that listens to this podcast or fucks with Bayway, fucks with you, fucks with the podcast, fucks with music in general. Don't be afraid to approach people because they're old school or they're in a bigger band or you think they're going to think you're corny or whatever. Nine times out of ten, every guy that you approach that you think is unapproachable is going to fuck with you so much more because you had the balls to approach them. And, you know, I'll give it to you straight. Like, I walked up to him and I said, yo, OG, I appreciate you. Thank you for paving the way. Without Fury of Five, there's no Bayway. And 
you know, they were like kind enough to to let us go and be in their video. We start talking about him being on a song. Um, I wrote some shit. I put it on the song, and then he wrote to it without hearing anything, and our our shit just matched. You know what I'm saying? It was like everything lines up. And uh, one thing I'll say about Stickman is, you know, he's been in the game for a long time, and he's professional as shit. He has his shit mapped the fuck out. Like, he's so precise about everything he wants to do and thinks about everything he wants to do, and everything is like like imagined like he thought about every aspect of it before he showed up that day and that's so fucking cool and it speaks to just being a legend and being in music for so long you know what i mean he's worked with so many cool people and been in so many situations and high dollar studios and he's been all over the fucking world doing hardcore kid from new jersey you know what i'm saying so getting the opportunity to work with a guy like that was outrageous and, you know, I can't thank him enough. He's He's been a driving force in getting Bayway's name out there since the band started. And that's the truth. I mean, since day one. Because our first show, he's seen it and fucked with the band that day and has not stopped fucking with us or putting on for us since. So I got to thank him. I, you know, I got I, any opportunity I get to shout out Stickman, I'm a shout out Stickman. <laughs> uh, that's awesome that both of those guys um, came through for the band like that, man. It's really positive story, and it is it is a good lesson to younger artists um, who want to you know approach a band. You know, most most people in this music are just underground people and uh, were fans of the music before they were they were doing anything them, themselves. It's it's you know that's usually how it is. Um, with with that being said, this episode is probably going to go out um, the week after uh, Thanksgiving, like you know probably in about a week and a half, the first week of December. Do you guys have any shows coming up you want to plug? Yeah. Um, in January, um, on January 12th, we're going to be in Springfield, Illinois. We would end it, hold my own. Um, and then the day after that, we're going to be in Chicago with uh, Boldos. Shout out Boldos. Wow. Uh, fucking love those guys. And uh, we're going to be with hold my own again. We're going to be with end it. Um, that show is sold out. That, that show is crazy. Uh, I think out of pocket is on. I'm trying not to to forget anybody, but that show sold out in like 30 minutes or some mm. stupid shit like that. It was insane. So, um, it's going to be our first time in the Midwest pumped about it. Um, really, really excited for that. I can announce it on here. Hopefully it comes out before that January 20th. We're in Jersey. Um, this show is unannounced as of right now, as of this, this taping, but, um, we're going to be in Jersey for our record release January 20th at Salty's in Belmar. The headliner is Death Threat. Um, we're also playing with Missing Link, Homaon, um, Oriame, another band from New Jersey that I've been putting on for. I, I produced their record. Great guys. Um, there's a ton of cool bands. Disguise is playing that. Um, a, a bunch of a bunch of cool bands that are playing that show. That's going to get announced uh, hopefully at the end of this week or, or early next week. And then there's a couple of other things that are in the works right now that. I can't talk about yet, but when they drop, you'll know. You know what I mean? Uh, follow us, Bayway NJ, Instagram. That's where you can find everything. Uh, Bayway.bigcartel.com, RTF Records, Days Records. Um, there's a couple a couple different versions. There's a gold version of the record, uh, blue and black version of the record. Go get those. Um, you know, and that's that. 
Fair enough, man. Yeah, people follow people will tell people to follow you on uh, social media um for more information. Um and with that being said, I want to get your music recommendations. Uh you've been very generous with your time. Quickly, I had just on I, I while I was uh, um uh, taking notes and listening to Bayway and everything before I was thinking about New Jersey hip hop. I just wanted to pick your brain, and I, I, I'm curious if you remember a couple of these New Jersey rappers that are a little bit more obscure. Do you remember Milkbone? Milkbone? Uh, keep, keep it real. He was a white guy that was down with Naughty by Nature, and he had one single, Keep It Real, which was it was a really cool song for, like, the early. It was a hard song, man. You might want to look it up when you have some time. But, Fucking shame, I'm about to write this shit down. Go yeah. Milkbone? Milkbone. He's, yeah, he's, he was a white dude uh, from um, New Jersey. He was down with. This had to be like '94, right? Yeah, yeah, early early to mid '90s, and Naughty by Nature was putting him on. And obviously, I was fucking with Naughty by Nature, but who was? Well, yeah, that was they were a big New Jersey group, and and um, yeah, Milkbone had a hard single, "Keep It Real." Um, I'm gonna listen to that when I go on my way home. Yeah, yeah, that's where the listen. And I don't know if have you ever heard of Chino XL. He would, the name is the name is familiar, but I couldn't tell you a song. I probably have heard it. I only know him because at one point he was going back and forth with Tupac, um, and he's a really and I looked up a song. He's a vicious lyricist. He referenced like all sorts of horrible things that were in the news in the nineties, um, and his and his and his lyrics. But yeah, I just I went I kind of went on a nineties hip hop New Jersey tangent today too, man. So I you know I'll um. But 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 I I, I want to pass it to you now. Like I said, I want to get your recommendations. There's no strict rules. We always ask the guests to to recommend something from back in the day, uh, and something a little bit more recently, a demo album, metal, hardcore, any other genre, whatever. Um. Okay, so for me, we'll go with hip hop first. Back in the day, um, something that something that I I just I can't live without is Lords of the Underground. Yes, yeah, Keep rock. yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you don't listen to that <laughs> and love that, I don't know, man. You got to get your ears checked. Clean them bitches out. Do whatever it is you have to do. But that shit right there rocks. Um, we just got done recording a five-song EP, and I listened to Lord Finesse, Big L, Nas, and Lords of the Underground, and Onyx. Onyx. Yeah. I didn't listen to any hardcore. Yeah. That's my playlist. Was was that specifically. And um probably a little rock him too. Uh like when he came yeah. back after uh after he finally got free from Eric B. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with, with that stuff. Um with oh, Rock bro, I'm yeah. telling you, yeah. go go check out the eighteenth letter. Okay. All right, man. Oh, right, that shit, the prophecy professor. It's... Oh, that shit'll get you, boy. Rock catching up with like Rockim's, especially like after like the the golden era with Eric B. It's like it's like intimidating. It's like trying to read the Bible almost because there's a lot there. There's a lot to 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 listen to. But yeah, man, um, I I have a lot of respect for uh for all those artists you just mentioned, honestly. Um, uh, and and Onyx too, man. That's this was back the fuck up their first album. I think that was the first album. It's definitely yeah. the hardest. The The second album wasn't bad either, man. I got that one too, man. Um, I got like a bootleg of that at a thrift store a long time ago. But, it's, but the fucking, it's the delivery for me, bro. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Delivery. It's just so psychotic. There's, 
there's it's funny because they collaborated with Biohazard a few times too. I remember Amazing. that back in the yeah. Um, all right, but uh, and also, what's uh, what's something newer you've been jamming? You know what I like? I like the new Combust. I'm not. Uh, I'm honestly not familiar. Yeah, check check it out. Just came out on Triple B Records. Um, I've been fucking with that. I also like the new Hold My Own record a lot. Um, check that out. There's a band called Odiame that I was telling you about. Um, it's Latino hardcore out of Jersey. These kids, these kids are are are, are legit, man. They got some cool songwriting. Shit is bouncy. Half of the lyrics is in Spanish, the other half is is in English. Just very cool. Um, discontent out of Jersey. Well, I guess Jersey, Delaware, and and Philly. I think they're from. But another just really cool up and coming band. Um, you know, like young kids that are in the scene that are just really like uh, they're playing shit that's that's just like I identify with. You know, it's bouncy. The riffs are hard. It hits hard. It's '90s influenced. It's just like it does it for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, those are like the newer hardcore bands that, like the you know, if I've been fucking with in the last in the last couple days, like just shit that I've really been listening to, like lately, like in the last month. Um, and then as far as old hardcore is concerned, um, you know, I mean, go listen to One for One. Go listen to Fury of Five. Go listen to NJ Bloodline, Eat Sound Concrete. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm just New Jersey. I can't, I can't help it. This is just who I am. Agents of Man, <laughs> you know what I mean. Just go listen to those bands, and um, you know, do the best that you can to lift from their riffs. Uh, you know, all the good stuff and, and bring it back, bring it back, because that's there was a lot of soul in that music, a lot of groove in that music that. You know, that I, I think just needs to be emulated more. I think music needs to be more human. If there's one thing I can lead on, leave on, it would be make your music more human. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to leave the mistakes in. If the drummer don't hit the snare drum as hard two times in a row, don't change it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's better. It's better when it sounds real. Yeah. The 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 modern drums where everything is very like uh, sample replaced and quantized. Why I like that's why yeah. I like digested flesh, bro. Yeah, he's playing gravity blast, and sometimes he misses, and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, it sounds like a human being. It's you know, ghetto. It's you know? grimy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot. You know, I mean, it's it's funny because you can go back to, to recordings from a certain era, and you know that they didn't even have the ability to to do certain tricks back then. So you know, it was you know, it was real. You know, suffocation comes to mind, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my listen, listen to uh, Mike Smith, and you know the recordings of Mike Smith. That, that guy's motherfucker a beast. had to hit the snare drum. He had to hit it. Mm, I would love to get him on the podcast and get some of his uh, perspective on things too, man. Um, so many, oh, I'll be, be amazing. So many guests, so little time, man. But um, dude, you've been you've been great tonight. I really appreciate your time. Um, and I wish you guys the best of luck going forward with Bayway. We're gonna keep our eyes on you for that new EP you just told us about. Those shows in January. People can go check social media. Um, and you're going you're going out to uh, uh the Midwest. You said too, man, for the first time. Uh, in, in January, you're brave. <laughs> hey, let's go, man. Windbreakers for the Windy City is coming in hot. I'm I'm busting balls, man. Uh, Reeking Aura did our first tour of, like, South Carolina and Florida in August. It was it, it was smelly. It, it was um... Dude, the, the first tour I ever fucking did started in in uh, started in Boston 
mm. at the end of December. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was in fucking Rhode Island in January. It was fucking 14 degrees. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You guys are probably touring in a lobster boat or something, man. Um, uh, bro, honestly, I would have killed for a lobster boat considering most, the shit we were in. Most dangerous catch uh, tour style tour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Um, Thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, like I said, I'm going to ask the um uh, the listeners to check out all the music we just talked about, especially Bayway. And uh, we wish you the best going forward, man. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. And uh, and we'll do we'll uh we'll cut it right there, dude. Um, dude, like I said, thanks again. It's probably gonna go up like the first weekend of December, and I'll shoot you a link and all that, man. All right. I appreciate it. We'll promote the shit out of it. And thanks for having me on, man. I really do appreciate it. It's always a pleasure bullshit with you. Yeah, dude. I'll see you in real life sooner than later, hopefully, man. That sounds good to me. All right, brother. Have a good night, man. You too, bro. You too. Peace. Thank you very much to Jay of Bayway. We appreciate him uh, in, in this discussion this evening. Rick, you still out there with me? I'm still here, my man. Yes, indeed. All right. I thought maybe I lost you on the ferry out there, um, taking the guys some sled around Staten Island. Yeah, uh, I'm showing them the sights and sounds. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of set, we got to show you guys a couple of sounds um, t- tonight, man. We got recommendations. I reached for something... Um, I foreshadowed something. I foreshadowed your demise a few weeks ago with this recommendation I want to talk about. It's not skinless, but it is an American death metal band from the 90s that's renowned in that circle. However, before all that, Rick, take us on that ferry from Staten Island to uh, to lands abroad, because I believe you have a bit of a mysterious international recommendation today. Uh, Yeah, Um, this is uh, a, a, a band that I... Not that familiar with as of last week, um, I became familiar with. I'm actually looking for the album title, and of course, oh, there it is. Yeah, it's Omni Vortex. Band is called Omni Vortex, a Finnish band. Uh, Circulate is the new record. It looks like it's independently released. And um, a friend of mine, uh, Jim uh, James, turned me on to this. Shout out to James, formerly of a band called Divine Silence back in the day, a million hmm. years ago. Uh, band that grace guys played with a few times they actually opened for my dying bride at the my dying bride new york city show in 1997 i was very jealous about that at the time i'll tell you that Mm. shout out to james but yeah this record uh kind of took me by surprise um it was ferocious album just filled with riffs uh awesome riffs and um I don't know, man. You just got to hear it. Uh, it's a lot of things going on. It's chaotic and and a lot uh, of it's of a lot of it, and uh, and it's very melodic. Uh, I would I would describe it as like what blackened, uh, blackened death, blackened death metal. I guess mm-hmm, or, you mm-hmm. know progressive blackened death metal. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's it, man. It's a eight songs, I think, and. and they really run the gamut. They're really good. Atmospheric, melodic, heavy, um, up my alley. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gave this a listen, man. It's uh, what it, it's like there's 
I don't. I wouldn't say it's like blackened death for that because that usually means to me it's like some sort of like super satanic, um, evil, uh, dark death metal band. This is more like there's a lot of black metal there in terms of I think the the writing style, the types of riffs they're using, and that and that sort of thing. But it's but but the the production is like tech death production. The production, yeah, is, it's more of a modern kind of mm-hmm. American uh, like. It reminded me of certain bands that we shall not. They, they, they're <laughs> certain things reminded me of more modern uh, bands that we're familiar with these days. Yeah, I'm not a certain band came to mind. Hey, I'm I'm not familiar with anybody <laughs> over <laughs> over on that side. Listen, um, right. if I if if, I, if I'm picking up what you're dropping right there, but listen, uh, yeah. Well, though, here's here's what I, here's what occurred to me when you talk about how to describe it, death. Um, I actually caught like I felt like there were some parts of it that reminded me of death. I definitely feel that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, like there was a death thing, but there was also, and maybe this this is just like a reference that I, I can draw because I don't have like a well rounded black metal palette. I don't know a ton about you know black metal bands as as opposed to my death mm-hmm. metal knowledge or whatever. But um, Isan of Emperor, his mm-hmm. his solo albums. In particular, um, there was one, I think it was like The After. What what was that album? Um, I think it was his second or third solo album. But um, uh, regardless, what I'm getting at is when they're doing black metal on this album, there's parts of it that reminded me of that. Also with the vocals, it just... It's like there's a black, there's a a strong black metal influence, but I don't think with right. in, with intent. This you know this doesn't sound like a bunch of occult guys in a dungeon trying to make evil music. <laughs> it it sounds like truly well rounded, talented. Sick. Yeah, you know, like what you expect when you think of like a Finnish, a proper Finnish death metal band with great production. This is you know these guys obviously live and breathe their instruments and their metal. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like cultured metal. Yeah, music. Um, I, I went to go pick it up on vinyl, but you know, after the conversion rates and all that stuff, you're talking twenty nine bucks for the record, which is I pay that, you know, for a record of a band I support. But the thirty five dollars in shipping, in addition to the twenty nine dollars, I couldn't swing the sixty. I couldn't swing sixty four dollars or whatever it is for a record, man. Just couldn't do it, bro. But tough, uh, tough. I, I definitely bought it on uh, on digital Bandcamp. So tough, tough. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't even get a CD. The CD was like twenty some dollars shipping too. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the same boat with some um, uh, some gore grind reissues uh, from a label in the Czech Republic. I just uh, I, I I feel that I'm I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for, a, for 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 an overtime check to justify. I think your mom was telling me the same thing with yeah. the gore grind. Uh, she's waiting on the new gore grind uh, prices to go down a little bit for the yeah. shipping. You know, she's having a hard time. The Christmas season, man. It's stocking yeah, yeah. stocking stuffers. You know, uh, <laughs> cassettes make great stuff. Stuffers. <laughs> um yeah well what i was gonna say about this band the other, like and this this is like respectfully like the the production of it was a little bit too modern for me in particular but i don't think that's right. going to detract a lot of people who would be into this it's like a very modern crisp. clean crisp well-produced yeah. an audio engineer's band maybe a guitar maybe maybe a guitarist's band you know someone who really <laughs> wants to put on the headphones and and get into it like there's um uh, I'll say there's there's not really a lot of like you know enter like in the room kind of energy you know what I mean man there's the drums yeah. are the drums are very uh, crisp and you know I don't I don't know what production techniques were used but it's a little modern and crispy for me in particular but that's not going to detract 
a lot yeah, of listeners. You know, that. I mean, that's 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 just a stylistic preference at this yeah, point. Yeah, I man. think that leans more towards that tech tech death uh, style yeah. influence that we were talking about before of that sound. You know, yeah, like it's produced like your decrepit births or your um, uh, what's that band I'm trying to think of, man? Um. Uh, well, regardless, man, you know, psychroptic, maybe, you know, it's just a very like crispy, you hear every simple note and every, you know, it's, it's, it's like a drummer's band, you know, like drum, you know, a lot of drum, a lot of drummers are really into that. That's, I'm not knocking any of that. Just, you know, from my personal, like Word. record collection, whatever. So, uh, um, Rick, you, any final thoughts on this and you want to, uh, hit, hit the listeners with the band and the album title one more time. Yeah, this is on the vortex and the album is circulate. I recommend it highly. And uh, let's see, my favorite song on the album, and I just lost it. It was a uh, track, track seven, track seven. I think it was pretty awesome. I forget the uh, song title, but it's all really good. I recommend it uh, highly. Yeah, just saying track numbers just goes back to the the CD era, man. Now it's it's part of the culture, man. It's all good. Tom, hit, yeah, no doubt. Tom, hit him with that Omni Vortex. Um, for what was it? Circulate is the new album. That's right. All right. <laughs> back now i'm gonna um i'm gonna bring us back back home a little bit man we're gonna steer back to um something i've been saying lately on this podcast it kind of keeps coming up is me saying we're getting back to the core of things here on the heavy hole podcast <laughs> we're getting we're getting right back to where it all started guys don't worry uh but this really is something I'm, i probably have brought this up but not in recommendation form in quite some time and the other day like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was doing a bit on here about demos and, and stuff that I listened to in high school. Uh, and I kind of like briefly mentioned this one and I didn't get the demo title right. So I wanted to bring it back and, and um, talk about it a little bit properly here. Regurgitation from Ohio. Uh, well, I think probably well known to most listeners of this podcast, most brutal death metal heads, that sort of thing. Um, they released, they, they put out their Tales of Necrophilia full length in 1999, which has been reissued and. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm on Metal Archives. Shout out to Metal Archives, of course, as always, my, my constant source. Hell's Headbangers has put out a series of uh, reissues over the years, uh, originally put out on a, on a Bladed Records. Um, they also had a, a Clitoraldectomy EP 2011. But the thing I want to talk about today is the Conceived Through Vomit demo 1996, which predates all of this and has kind of a different sound. Uh, whether it's better or worse is up to you as the listener. Me personally, I do prefer the Conceived Through Vomit demo to their later material. I'm not knocking their later material, and I, I you know, I, I would listen to that and uh, think it stands up there. Their later material was more. I felt like after this demo, they kind of shifted gears and caught up with a big rush that was going on and a big change that was going on in the death metal scene in the 1990s, in the late 1990s, because they, they put out this demo in 96, right? And then by 99, three years later, they put out their, their um, Tales of Necrophilia album, which was very brutal and blasty and kind of rush sounding and, and guttural. It was more... Um, United guttural sounding or uh, right. that style? You said it. 
Um, you nailed it. Yeah. So so yeah. they you know they got caught up in that wind of the late '90s of death metal getting more brutal, like I've said. And this 1996 demo they put out sounds like they were kind of still coming off of the early '90s. Sounds like there's the lead guitar work is amazing. The song yes. structure, yes. It, it, yeah, yeah. it all speaks to maybe that more th- like like the the cream of the thrash metal crop, right. um, and some of that more structured death metal of the early '90s before these guys shifted gears and sped everything up and went brutal and blasty, which is which is fine if you know if if you prefer that. Um, but this demo, there's really something amazing going on that they. They kind of left uh, uh, on this demo and did something different later on in their career. So, yeah, Rick, I just want to um, let you jump in there then. Um, you, you said about the guitars, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeez. Uh, model. <laughs> model. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't really know this band. So, like, this is the first ex- exposure to them. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, it's an old school late 80s band. Like, it, to me, it sounded like thrashy in parts. The The end of the demo towards the end of the demo reminds me of like uh schizophrenia sepultura or beneath the remains kind of sepultura ish uh, you know so that kind of thrashiness bordering on death metal um also I, I, I there was a lot of in earlier in the demo punk punk kind of influences with the drums and the riffs so i i immediately pegged them as like a, these are like a, you know old school i knew it came out in 96 demo i figured these are older dudes at the time like from the 80s or something coming up with this stuff and uh then when you told you know when you just described their full length i i was kind of like oh I, I didn't see them go in that direction i saw them more staying and if they were going to continue with staying in this kind of like old school uh realm not to say that their uh later material isn't worth listening to or or, or good or um uh, a band that uh, a couple of these guys ended up in necrotic disgorgement, um, mm. and and Ben Deskins is also uh, was also in heinous killings. Apparently, I'm going off of the um, uh, metal archive site here, but yeah, and, and, you know, necrotic disgorgement I think was widely regarded in the metal scene as maybe a continuation of regurgitation. Oh. But um, all that material is is definitely worthwhile, but it's a different brand of death metal, a different style of death metal, more modern, more blasty, more guttural. Whereas this demo kind of stands on its own uh, in a way, man. I've always loved it, and maybe it's great for that too. I've always wanted like a reissue on vinyl that I could collect, mm. man. That would be sick. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know, Rick. Any any other thoughts before we close it out on this one, man? No, I like like I said, I liked it. I dug it. You know, I, I like the various kind of to my ears the various uh, styles of of what, what they put together at that time. Uh, how, how long did they last? regurgitation um well i think they they Couple records yeah well they according to this they put out the ep in 2011 but i don't know if that maybe was some sort of um uh like short-lived comeback type of thing i'm going off of uh metal archives right now second full-length clitor acting was planned but never recorded the band did manage to record some demo tracks in 2002 which were eventually released okay so they so i guess around 2002 uh, the band maybe turned into or or broke up and, and the guys started necrotic mm. disgorgement. I'd have to, I would love yeah. to speak to uh, um, any number of these guys actually and get them on the horn, uh, to be honest, and kind of get their version of the story. Yeah, uh, Metal Archive shows them is still active uh, as of 2013 to present. So who knows, you know, what their activity is. Uh, I'm not really sure, but. They play shows. Yeah. yeah, they're out there. They play shows. They do things. These guys are these guys are active in different projects and they're they're lifers. Sure. Um, you know, I yeah, I would love to get the you know, and like I said, any number of these guys on the show and, and, and 
and get the timeline timeline right, so to speak. But I encourage the listeners to check this out for themselves. Um, and and like I said, this isn't to disparage the rest of Regurgitation's catalog or the other bands these guys are known for, but it's a great. It's kind of an interesting thing because if you're into like the brutal death metal and the more later era style death metal that these guys do, to go back and listen to this, it's kind of like a it's looking at their high school yearbook or something. You know what I mean, man? It's fun, That's man. Cool, you yeah, know? snapshot of that. Yeah, de- demo style, man. So so Tom, uh, bring in a little bit of that regurgitation uh, from their conceived through vomit demo. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed the recommendation. Shout out to Jay from Bayway, man. We appreciate it. We got a what do we got? Speaking of Bayway, man, we got a show in Jersey out there. Uh December the seventh, you can catch Reeking Aura. Uh very honored to be opening up for Mortician at Dingbats. Looking forward to that one. Um uh Rick, you got you got that one pulled up by any chance? Controller, I believe is on that. Uh Lobotomizer and uh Chain to the Dead. Nice. Um, appreciate it, man. Shout out to all those bands. Looking forward to being back at Dingbet, Dingbats. Uh, now we got, we got the natural air conditioning weather going air on. Air conditioning, yeah, hell yeah. Um, it's gonna be a beautiful thing. Uh, and also the next day, uh, you were popping up because actually that that Dingbats one, that's the one that's all ages, I believe. And the Mortician one is what eighteen and up. If you can give me thirty seconds, we'll figure it out. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so the, the Dingbats is uh, all ages, which is uh, which is yeah. We've just played an all ages show, and that was interesting, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and the Vitus show, I believe, is uh, twenty is eighteen and up. Yeah, I I like it. The kids got good energy. Yeah. I I gotta I get on the floor. I gotta watch myself. I I might knock somebody over, man. But um, <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, the next day, December race, adults only. Uh, mortician, malignancy, immortal suffering, and reeking or yours truly over at the St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn. There, so we're doing we're doing the all ages show, then we're doing eighteen over. It's gonna be a beautiful thing. Um, anything else to add about about that, Rick? Yeah, I just we can't wait to uh, get back to Jersey, see Gutter, Anthony Gutter Christ. How you doing? A shout out to him putting that show together. And uh, yeah, bunch of actually, we never played with uh, Immortal Suffering before. I don't believe uh, we played with Malignancy last year. Uh, as far as the Vitus show, we never mm. played Immortal Suffering, uh, so that should be good. And, yeah, I uh, can't wait to see those dudes. Yeah, I've had most of uh, Immortal Suffering on the podcast by now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so people can go back and check out my my interviews with a bunch of those guys. Uh, shout to them. And forward to it all, man. speaking of people we got to get on the podcast, I got to reach out to Gutter. Um, have, oh. yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you could do like a two part series on the Dingbat saga. Yeah, well, hey, 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 we got to see what he says. Uh, have we got to have his people talk to my people? Make it, <laughs> we'll, make, we'll draw up a contract on a t shirt. Um, shout, shout to Gutter, uh, shout to St. Vitus Bar. We appreciate you guys out there. Uh, let's see anything else. No other shows booked, uh, but keep your eyes open. We are working behind the scenes for next year. What? Speaking of book, we do have studio time booked with the old Reek and Aura. 
Yeah, man. We have studio March and April. Uh, we have a bunch of sessions booked, blocked out at Collins. And uh, that's what we're doing from actually starting Sunday. Uh, these shows are a little bit of a, a segue, but uh, we're, we're getting ready really hardcore, as you know, to uh, to record these songs. Yeah. So uh, we've got we've got like 15 songs to choose from. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Ryan cranked out a whole bunch and uh, I sprinkle a couple in here and there and uh, we'll choose the what eight, mm. eight or nine best ones. Mm. Yeah. I'm really fucking psyched for that, man. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah, we said we said we're gonna take uh take the winter off, take the holiday season off, to to drink eggnog and write the new album. But when yeah. when somebody says you want to play with Mortician, it's go time. You know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta. I can't wait to see Will, uh, the other Will. I haven't seen him in twenty years. How yeah, doing? yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I Mortician, great band. Obviously, um, well deserved support they're getting. Man, we we we're just. We're, I'm just glad to be there. And, and one of my favorite quotes from the rapper Az: "I just want to be there." Uh, I think that that might wrap it up, man. Heavy Hole Podcast on Patreon, um, Heavy Hole Podcast at Gmail dot com, where the voicemail line number should be. Where in the description where you're listening to this, man, we are uh, leave us a voicemail or an email. Uh, social media, let us know what's going on out there, what shows you're going to, what you're listening to. Give us a recommendation. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what you do like. Maybe we'll air it. Maybe we'll. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll pick and choose. Yeah. yeah. What, are you, what are you gonna do about? It? Oh, Rick, you got something new? You're doing? You want to plug your Instagram? Oh, yeah, you know, real quick. So if you guys like to watch <laughs> little clips, little clips of um, <laughs> what I call happiness, uh, go on over to NYC Happiness on Instagram. And there's a little, it's a little page I started, just uh, some clips that I've, you know, interesting encounters that I've come across just over the last week, week and a half. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of... <laughs> where i work in in new york city you find you find uh you find some characters so i just decided to document what i see and uh you know it's it's catching on a little bit and uh no nah, is a little bit a little little bit and uh i got a little write up in the new york post about this and uh so this is good this is all good fun we'll see how long before i get stabbed like i said mm. so this and you're not going out of your normal way to pers- no, I'm, to- I'm just going to get coffee. Like I'll go like to go get coffee, or I'll go get delicious halal cart, <laughs> and and there'll be encounters. Like, um, you know, I've worked in the same building for 18 years, and it's kind of like uh, things are things are a little different than they were. It's kind it's interesting, man. So I, you you see these things, you notice these things, and now I just figured. Let me just show other people what what's going on or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what for what cause or what reason, but it just it's cool. A lot of hostility in the world, man. Um, yeah, well, shine, 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 shine a light on it, man, Rick. Uh, it, interesting for people to check out, man. Uh, uh, that being said, I think that's about wrap it up, man. Uh, we appreciate Jay again. Uh, check out Bayway. Um, they're killing it right now, playing a lot of shows, doing a lot of things. You probably didn't hear about them from us, but if you did, go check out the music and all the music we discussed this episode. Rick, thanks for bringing that recommendation. Thanks um, for having me. If I don't see you, I'll see you. But uh, if I don't see anybody else, have a have a happy Thanksgiving. By the time this episode's out, we're going to be after Thanksgiving, I think. I, I did. So have a happy leftovers. Eat your leftovers. I don't don't feel offended. I had the Thanksgiving episode with Terrell. I, I recorded that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a talk at practice on. Yeah, Sunday. yeah. Me and Terrell had a little turkey sandwich yesterday, man. Talking about death metal. Um, you and I, you and I are prepping for Christmas, man. Getting ready for this December thing. Word. 
Um, yeah, but that that Omni Vortex album, man, it, le- I, it left my. Sp- I felt like my speakers were polished. Like I felt like I washed <laughs> when you wash your car and it sparked ting. It sparked. I felt like after I listened to Omni Vortex in the Jeep, the speakers funny, were just like polished and ready for yeah, it for anything. Nice and clean. Yeah, man. On that note, man, maybe Tom, you could take us take us out with a little bit of that. Morning.